the fantasy football Welcome to Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I am Mike Hume. Hi, I'm Des Beeler, and I'm just a little confused. Uh, when is the podcast by week? I'm Jeff Dooley, and I uh, didn't see this one coming, but I think Des and I are about to get into a Wayne Gallman argument. Oh, excellent. Uh, if I had a nickel for every Wayne Gallman argument I've been a part of. That's red, that's red Hot Radio. Well, as Jeff alluded to, Wayne Gallman was a hot name this week. Alvin Kamara as well. Latavius Murray, perhaps the biggest waiver wire name, and that they were part of a bonanza. If you hadn't used a lot of your fab dollars or your waiver priorities, this was the week to do it. But guess what? Now you're probably too late if you didn't get one of those guys. So we're going to get ahead of the game with this week's big idea. The big idea. Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL tape. Oh, yeah. He's a major sleeper. All right, guys. Well, the big idea this week is, as Mike mentioned, uh, looking into some running backs who were not snatched off the waiver wire this week or any previous week this this season so far. You know, it's a it's a cycle of fantasy football life. Every year, there's carnage at the running back position. Every year, guys that you didn't think would have much of a role to start the season turn out to have a role. I mean, who would have thought the third string quarterback for the Jets would be a hot commodity as early as week four? And yet, there goes El- Elijah McGuire or Eli McGuire. Uh, whatever, however he's going by. I thought you said third string quarterback. quarterback. Oh, yeah. did I say quarterback? <laughs> are you talking about Christian Hackenberg? Or, or <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about here? Look, the way this season's going, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, I should have said running back, though. Yeah. Um, it's it, The running back position, you just, you just want to stay ahead of the curve if you can. And obviously anybody who had Latavius Murray on their rosters for whatever reason, maybe they were the Dalvin Cook owner, maybe they were just making a speculative ad, mm-hmm. their love and life, uh, I think there was some... <laughs> There was some people. Not, not if they had Dalvin Cook. <laughs> okay, that's, that's true. A, that's a bit of a downgrade. <laughs> that's a good point. They're not loving life, but at least they're darn relieved they had Latavius Murray. Uh, you know, it's just generally, if you look at your roster, obviously in super shallow leagues, you can't afford to do this too often, but most leagues, you can afford at least have one bench spot that you can devote to a lottery ticket, a speculative ad, a guy you th- who's not getting a lot of playing time right now, but if the chips broke the right way, he'd really be loving it. So we're going to go through a few of those guys who haven't had their day in the sun yet. But Before we get into the, the specific players, a little bit of a philosophical question that I have. What's sort of the break, breaking point for reserving one of these guys? Because obviously they're not starting. They have zero value now or very, very limited. You're certainly not going to start some of the guys we're going to be talking about. What's the draft and stash or waiver stash uh, threshold for some of these guys? How good does that payoff have to be to take up a roster spot, particularly with bye weeks beginning? I think you need to see some upside. I think it also depends. Like in the case we use the Dalvin Cook example, you know that that was a pretty savvy move if you kept Latavius Murray there, sort of, uh, you know, as the injury handcuff. Uh, assuming you could devote the roster space to it, but certainly, you know, I, I would I would want to feel as though this isn't someone who just plugs in as like a very low end starter. You'd sort of want, um, you know, one re- reference point I use is Mike Clay has the has a depth chart uh, a tool on ESPN.com, and you can sort of look there, and he's he sort of projects what the value of each handcuff is if they were put into the starting role. So Derek right. Henry is an example. Uh, who's owned in most leagues? He's an RB one player. If Demarco Murray goes out and he Absolutely. ascends to RB one, so I think you want to feel that you know if this is like a, a flex, like question mark decision, 
not worth having on your roster. If you think he could be a starting running back for you, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's it's also a question of when you're looking at your roster, yeah, and who you have on it. You know, there are a lot of times you might have like a wide receiver four. You know, we talked about the sort of a couple of weeks ago about the Kenny Galladay's and the Cooper Cups of the world. Guys who what can, about Connor Cup? Yeah, Connor Cup too. Well, you know, guys who can have big games but really can't be relied upon it and generally are just replacement level players. You know, what's the difference if you have? Kenny Galladay on your roster or not. Like, if you don't, and all of a sudden you have a need at wide receiver, you can go to the waiver wire and get a guy just like him. Right. You, can, you know, kind of a roll of the dice, high upside, doesn't get a lot of targets type wide receivers. So, those are guys who are pretty droppable, I think, in most leagues. You know, you, know, you might also have a running back who's getting some work, but not enough, and certainly not doing enough with it. I'm thinking maybe of somebody like Chris Johnson for the Cardinals, mm-hmm. who's getting carries, but it just doesn't seem like that team can run the ball very well. You know, it doesn't seem like he's necessarily going to be who they turn to at the goal line. It's hard to say. Like, we haven't really seen it yet. You know, so kind of low, like players who are getting carries but but seem to have kind of a low upside at the moment, you might want to replace them with somebody who has a much higher upside if, if things turn out right. I've got an example of one of those guys, uh, Charkandrick West in Kansas City. Perfect example. If he, if he were to step in, because they're still trying to keep him involved in the offense. He's He's got a little bit of a workload every game. Clearly, he's not Kareem Hunt, and I don't think he's the quality of runner that Hunt is. But if he were to step into that RB1 role, if Hunt missed any time, he's a guy you you would start in, in almost any league you have. Yeah, I, I think it's a question more, like you allude to, a, of role rather than ability. Like, are are they going to give this player the carries uh, that the starter, the incumbent starter, uh did before the injury. Yeah, so. I th- West is a good example in that regard because if you're a Kareem Hunt owner, I think you should own Sharkandrick West. He's well, been he's, to, right? he's gotten work before. I think there's every reason to think. Obviously, he's not the first choice or the second choice. That would have been Spencer Ware and or Kareem Hunt, but I think he does have the confidence of the coaching staff. You know what's interesting is the Chiefs' third string running back is named Akeem Hunt. Hmm. That was also very confusing for yeah. for a brief moment during the Chiefs game. <laughs> On, yeah. uh, on Monday night. I, I was a little thrown off. I right. thought Akeem, Akeem Hunt, Hunt had done a, a num- like, number what? change on us. Yeah, so, you know, Akeem Hunt may or may not be talented, but I think if, if uh, Kareem Hunt goes down, Shakandrick West will stands to get a lot of work in what's, what's a pretty good offense. And I think you're sort of looking for that. You know, an- another way to look at these guys to stash is how shaky is the health history and or job performance of the top guy. And, you know, a name that might surprise some people that I'm going to throw out there is Melvin Gordon. Like, he just hasn't been running the ball very well. He's now had a recurrence of knee issues that have sort of plagued him in the past. The same left knee upon which he had microfractor surgery um, about a year and a half ago. And, you know, he just hasn't been very efficient. And so I'm, talk- I'm thinking of, actually, there's two guys that are of interest here. So this may not, I may not wind up giving the most helpful advice here. But Brand- Brandon Oliver, I think if you're a Melvin Gordon owner, you should own him. And I think he's a decent speculative ad in other leagues. And already getting some work as of last week. Yes, he's starting. He's starting to get more work. They're starting to mix him in. He was a he was a player who missed last season altogether, I think. But before that, got some work. And you know, the thing with Melvin Gordon is he's not only been inefficient on the ground, like he just hasn't. And, and this is continues a pattern. It's odd. Like before the season, I, I said, you know, could we just see this guy average four yards a carry? Could could we just see that? Because he'd averaged three point five and three point nine in his first two seasons. Well, now he's averaging three point one. You know, right. And you can see a scenario in which the Chargers they're now zero and four. They're going, to the, they're going to the Giants this week, another 0-4 team. But let's say the Giants, the Giants are at home. Let's say they win that game. Now the Chargers are 0-5. I mean, you're not going to the playoffs when you're 0-5. You know, so they would be in a situation to really take stock of their team and say, do we need to keep giving Melvin Gordon so much work? Do, should, do we need to like, look at some other aspects of our team? Should we maybe let him rest his knee? You know, like Because I, I, his whole thing has been volume. Gordon's been such a workhorse there. 
I think there's a very realistic scenario in which he's not necessarily that workhorse. And I just wanted to throw out another name in the Chargers backfield that may come up because we talk about guys who come out of nowhere. Uh, Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had one carry last week. His first carry of the season took it for a 35-yard touchdown. He's a, he's a undrafted free agent out of Western State, Colorado, one of these out-of-nowhere guys. But he impressed them so much in training camp. They cut Kenyon Barner. They made him the third stringer. He looks like he has some explosion to his game, which I don't know if you can say the same about Brandon Oliver. It wouldn't be a total shock to see the Chargers start to use him more and more because they need a spark. So not a household name yet, but soon. Uh, Potentially. All right. So from that injury uh, viewpoint, here's another guy. LaShawn McCoy's backup, Mike Tolbert in Buffalo. Seems like there's a ripe opportunity there with when you combine the injury factor and the role. I think so. I mean, he's a guy who, uh, you know, even now he's a potential touchdown vulture from McCoy because of his goal line ability. Um, that's not going to go away if he were to step into the the running back one situation. Now he's nowhere near you know the explosive uh, athlete that LaShawn McCoy is, and few running backs in the NFL are. I think he he is someone who who jumps in, um, you know, sort of jumps up into that starter potential, uh, assuming they don't uh, they don't bring anybody else in to sort of be more of the every every down back. Um, but the goal line impact matters. Another guy I've got on my list, Malcolm Brown of the Rams, purely based on the fact that Ty Gurley's workload has been enormous this yes. year. Um, if he were to miss any time due to injury, uh, there's a lot of action to go there. And what has been a pretty highly functioning Rams offense. Now, Gurley deserves a lot of credit for that, but Malcolm Brown, a very talented player uh, out of Texas, you know, he's someone to, uh, to possibly consider stashing on your roster if you're a Gurley owner. Yeah, Gurley's played 83.5% of the snaps, as I see it here, which is just a massive that's, that's high. W- workload. And, yeah, I mean, we know that running backs, you know, the more they're out there, the more they're exposed to hits, the more likely something can go wrong. I mean, and Gurley coming into the NFL, I think, was coming off an ACL tear, and I think there were, you know, he, he got off to a bit of a slow start while he was recovering from that. So there's a teeny bit of, a, of an injury history there, if nothing else. That's true. Alfred Morris, another guy I've got on the list here. Yeah, and and there's interesting an, you mentioned that. And there's also a question mark. Let's say obviously there's the Ezekiel Elliott suspension sort of hanging over the heads of the Cowboys. We don't know the outcome there. Uh, if he were to be off the field for whatever reason, there is a question mark. Does Darren McFadden get back into the fold? He was not the choice to be the backup to Elliott when Elliott was in the, was right. uh, once he was reinstated. So question mark there. But Morris, a, a guy with potentially a lot of fantasy value if he plays. Yeah, I think if you're an Ezekiel Elliott owner, you really got to prioritize going to get him because do we know as opposed to McFadden? You're talking I about? think as opposed to McFadden, I mean McFadden hasn't even played yet. Yeah, but but there's you know there's always that question of like when a when a backup running back is made inactive on game day, is it because he's just fallen out of favor with the coaches or because he replicates the skill set of the starter and the coaches want guys with with different skill sets out there on game day? And if the starter goes down, do they then activate somebody like McFadden and say, okay, now you're the guy? I suppose that could be true from the fact that McFadden probably is a little bit more of a pass catcher than Alfred Morris is, so he is a little bit more versatile in that regard. But I mean, to me, I don't think you can possibly say McFadden's a one-for-one one for Elliott. I think well, a more— No, you couldn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one is, uh, with few exceptions, obviously, with uh, you know, Levin Bell uh, and David Johnson, who's hurt. But in that role, I think the more likely scenario is, is Morris becomes a, a first and second down back, and McFadden becomes either a change of pace back or uh, has a couple opportunities on third down. And might be worked into the equation a little bit more. And do, do we know where Elliot is with the suspension possibility? We do, in theory. It's it's to the final step before the, uh, the the verdict. So right now they're deliberating over whether or not the suspension can be reinstituted 
or will remain on hold until his legal case is resolved in the court system. Once that verdict comes in, he could be suspended immediately, meaning as, as early as week five. We're expecting a verdict today, which is Wednesday, October 4th, but we really are at the mercy of the court right. in this. Uh, but it could happen. I, I don't. I think. I think there might be some people out there who think that's all sort of gone away, and yet it's very nope. realistic that he could get that that suspension. In which case, yeah, both Morris and McFadden would be immediate like must ads. And if you were riding Elliot up to this point, your fantasy future could hinge on that move. So I think you got to make it. Go get Morris, and if you can get McFadden too, if you can spare the roster spot, so much the better. I, I think I, I would rather roll the dice on McFadden. I think I just have a feeling he would get the, the lion's share of the work there, but it's, it's, you know, it's hard to say based on what's happened so far this season. So one last guy to mention in this framework of trying to get ahead of the curb, curve, rather, and that's uh, Chris Ivory down in Jacksonville. Leonard Fournette has been a workhorse, but he's had a ton of carries not only <laughs> this year with Jacksonville, but in his LSU career as well. That workload's got to take a toll on uh, a body. If he keeps getting this sort of volume, uh, there's a decent chance for an injury. Hopefully there isn't, but there's I- that uh, injury risk exists. And I do think Ivory would step into a very robust role with a, a big work r- workload. Last week he got nine carries, got 42 yards. That's pretty solid. And if he can replicate that on a larger scale, I mean, that's, that's a RB2 or certainly a flex play. Yeah, I think just by virtue of being on the Jacksonville roster, he's going to fall under the radar of a lot of fans just because you know, there aren't a lot of Jags games on, on national television. You mean the London Jaguars? <laughs> so I, you know, I, think that's, I think it's a savvy move in sort of the vein of these, um, these stash players. He's somebody certainly to take take a look at. Fournette ha- has had various injury issues in college. Now some of those were related to maybe just sort of resting himself for the NFL. But yeah. I, I do think uh, certainly he should be on your list um, if you're looking for that high upside stash guy. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm a little surprised how that played out in Jacksonville because I, I going into the season I thought T.J. Yeldon was an interesting mm-hmm. name because mm-hmm. somebody who I thought could be the passing downs back there is someone who'd caught a fair amount of passes in previous seasons, but. He's just, uh, you know, we talk about falling out of favor. I mean, he, he's been made inactive on game days of late. So apparently, yeah, it is really just uh, Fournette and then Ivory very clearly in that pecking order. Stock watch. Stock watch. All right, let's turn to stock watch now, and let's look at the roller coaster that is the Seattle Seahawks running back core. Make yep. sense of this for me, Des. Oh, yeah, okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just go ahead and do that, Mike. Uh, you know, it's, it's the backfield we never tire of talking about. We, we, we Can't we, get enough. I, w- I would say we've tired of talking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, apparently not, because we're right back at it now. I agree. It's be- <laughs> it does seem like it's become a bit tiresome, but what can you do? And Chris Carson, one week he's you know the, the flavor of the month in Seattle. The next week he's going down with a broken leg. I think he's out for at least uh, he's at least on the IR. He might be done for the season. So that bring to me that brings Rawls back into the equation in a big way. I know that Eddie Lacy came into that game last week, had like 52 carries on 11 carries, looked pretty good in, mm-hmm. in small dose, and got people 50, pretty excited. 52 yards, not 52. 52 carries. yards. Yeesh. That, that <laughs> not would be quite the workload. That is a workload. Yeah. Not having a great day today. Uh, exactly. Whereas Rawls had been made inactive in that in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lacy, of course, was inactive the week before that, and right. uh, and so, Rawls is healthy though, that, which is important to note there. Yes, exactly. And so you know, and again, and yeah, and so that might go to what we just talked about with McFadden, where right. it's not necessarily if you're inactive, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're the completely the odd man out. It might just mean that you know Rawls and Carson have a lot of overlap and the, and the team just wanted to maybe get Eddie Lacy some some touches who knows 
I'm thinking that Rawls will get the first crack at being the lead guy there. It's a, it's a messy situation. You have C.J. Procise there. You have this McKissick character <laughs> who did who did good things last week. You know, it's hard to say how it's going to play out. But to me, Rawls' stock is very much up again because I think he'll get the first shot at, at being the starter there. I think it's a coin flip between him and Lacey as to, as to who emerges. I agree. It d- the fact that Rawls was inactive doesn't necessarily mean he's he's the odd man out. And we should note that Eddie Lacy was the healthy scratch a couple weeks ago. So right. I think it, it to me it's a coin flip. I don't know which one they're going to go with. I, I just think um, I just think Rawls beat Eddie Lacy out in training camp. I mean that when when they were last seen vying for a starting job, Rawls won the job. I don't, so think, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what would have changed. I don't think that was conclusive though. I mean I think they both they both came in as sort of Rawls joined, was named the, the week one ones. starter. I mean I, I don't know. I mean he didn't get a lot of work and then he had his ankle injury and then Carson just kind of came in and took over. So we'll never really know how that would have played out right off the bat, but. I think the only conclusion we can draw is that nothing is ever concluded in this turmoil that is the Seattle backfield. I would also say I would not begrudge anyone in a PPR league to take a flyer on J.D. McKissick because he does potentially bring a different dynamic uh, to any of those guys. Form converted wide receiver, um, you know, is he? Can, can they look at him as sort of a you know underneath pass catcher, um, you know, just just a versatile weapon in that offense? I, I would consider it. Yeah, pro, and Procise can't stay healthy. And you know, I mean, who? If you knew, if you had any confidence uh, in Rawls or Lacey or anybody, any of them would be a good play because they're at the Rams this week, and the Rams yeah. are allowing the most yes. fantasy points to yes. running back. So you'd love to be able to plug a Seahawks running back into that spot, but it's so hard to tell. But I think it's a, it's a potential blow-up spot for for Rawls. Definitely pay attention to or, reports this or Lacey. week. <laughs> Anyone, yeah, whoever gets or the Pro-Size. job, yeah, somebody you're going to want to play whoever ends up getting that starting job. All right, now we've been pumping Alvin Kamara's tires for a little while, and I think week four demonstrated why. Now, stock seems clearly pointed up, Des. Yeah, I mean, this is not This is kind of an obvious one, but I'll throw it out there anyway. And uh, there's no great matchup for Alvin Kamara this week because he's on a bye. But that's just how far up his stock has gone. And I'm going to mention him even on a week he's on a bye because why not? Uh, you know, we, what you like about Alvin Kamara is he doesn't necessarily have to be just a passing downs back. He's got the size to be a feature back. He's 5'10", 215, pretty solidly built. He was in sort of a committee at Tennessee, so he wasn't, he wasn't actually a feature back in college per se, but obviously the Saints loved him. Uh, as noted before, they traded a, a 2018 second-round pick to move up in the third round to get him. And then we, you know, we saw a lot of why they were excited about him last week, especially in the passing game. And as we know, the Saints love to throw the ball all over the field. Uh, they've certainly made great use of passing downs backs in the past. I mean, 10 catches will get your attention every time. You know, it turned him in at 71 yards and a touchdown, added 25 yards on five carries. It's all good. You know, what we thought was kind of a three-headed monster there potentially looks like more of a two-headed, not-so-monstrous <laughs> apparition, you know. And I, in, in that case, if, if, Mar- if Adrian Peterson really is going to be just pushed to the side. Completely marginalized. Yeah, and you're t- then you're talking about Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, I mean, uh, or Kamara, I think— I think Kamara has a, has a pretty good chance to really emerge there because Lord knows Sean Payton is always looking for any opportunity not to give the ball <laughs> to Mark Ingram. Well, and also think about how, uh, how much Drew Brees would target Darren Sproles in the passing game there out mm-hmm. of the backfield, that underneath right. passing and, and game. And Pierre Thomas. Yeah, and, and like you think about how many weapons the Saints have lost over the last few years, Brandon Cooks in the trade this offseason. You, know, you can make the point that Kamara, or Kamara is the most <laughs> explosive player they've got right now. Uh, maybe alongside Michael Thomas. So I do think there's a lot of opportunity there. Maybe consider making a trade offer for him. Uh, you know, obviously no one's starting him this week because he's on the bye. Mm-hmm. If you've got somebody that that the Camara uh, owner might like, uh, not the not the worst uh, trade to try to kick the tires on. Nope. Uh, so another guy I'm pretty high on. 
Uh, John Brown. Uh, this is a, definitely a stock up situation because this stock was definitely down the past couple of weeks. He wasn't healthy. He wasn't playing. Not existed. Right. And meanwhile, uh, you had J.J. Nelson come in there. You had Jerron Brown come in there and do good things. And it looked like maybe uh, the Cardinals might might be inclined to move on. But you know, John Brown got back in the field last week, caught three of seven targets for 47 yards. So not not real huge game, but you know he was so close to catching a touchdown. I mean, I, I thought he caught it. Like to me, the replay showed. He he corralled the ball and tapped his. In any case, yeah, super close to touchdown. It was a, that was a phenomenal. And, catch, and we'd yes. be having a very different conversation with him today. But I think the main thing is he was slated to be the wide, the starting wide receiver across from Fitzgerald. You know, we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe that ship has sailed a little bit. But even then, this is an offense that's going to throw a ton. We just talked about how they really can't run the ball very well. There's plenty of work to go around, I think, in that offense. And John Brown has been a guy in the past who's been a really excellent wide receiver a couple years ago. And they're playing the Eagles this week, yes. who have allowed the third most fantasy points to wide receivers. So Money pretty in nice the bank. Yeah. Money in the bank. It's a good spot for John Brown to reassert himself on the fantasy landscape, I think. Philadelphia corner Jalen Mills has been targeted 51 times this year. <laughs> That's the most in the league by 13. There's so you stat. would say they're, they're picking on him, eh? He's allowed a league-high 82 fantasy points per our good friend. Uh, Mike Glenn, uh, sorry, Mike Clay over at uh, ESPN. I almost called him Mike Glennon. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> uh, yeah, a huge opportunity for both John Brown and Jaron Brown this week, uh, but certainly agree in the upward trajectory for John. All of the many Browns in the Cardinals are solid plays entering week five. All right. Alternatively, Des, who's down? Well, I'm going to start with Marshawn Lynch. We don't uh, really have to do this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeff's sorry, boy, sorry, Marshawn Jeff. Lynch, sorry. Uh, it's not uh, not going so well for Marshawn Lynch, and uh, you know his his rush already. He's in a position where his rushing yards have been dwindling. He started the season with 76, then went to 45, then went to 18. And if you thought you couldn't, it couldn't get worse, it did. He had 12 rushing yards last week, and that was in a game, of course, where Derek Carr goes down. We're not sure how long he's going to be out, but at least a couple weeks, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe more. EJ Manuel comes in there, so we're in a situation where already Marshawn Lynch was showing dwindling effectiveness, which you might have expected from a player who didn't play at all last year, who's 31, may or may not have kept himself in the best of shape, which was a concern that I put out there during the draft process, unlike certain other people in this podcast. <laughs> you, he may just be washed, man. I mean, maybe not. We'll see. You know, But the Raiders are in a situation where they, they probably want to lean more on the running game. So I think Marshawn Lynch will get another chance to do a few things you know, this week, but it hasn't looked great so far. And in the meantime, I think the two players behind him on the depth chart, Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington are just champing at the bit to get more work. And both of them, I think, have, well, especially Jalen Richard. Like, I like him. You know, we talked about in the big idea of putting, getting those speculative ads, guys who haven't mm-hmm. gotten the waiver wire love. I think Jalen Richard is a great guy to make as a speculative ad. He's averaging 6 p- 6.1 yards per carry on 15 carries this year. That's compared to Marshawn Lynch, who's averaging 3.4. Washington averaged 2.5. Uh, Richard led the team last year at 5.9 yards per carry, so this isn't a total fluke. He's had he's had a, you know a couple of pretty explosive plays. He's a big play guy for sure. Yeah, he's a good looking back, and I think on that offense, I mean, if I'm the Raiders, I'm trying to find ways to get Richard the ball more because you know they, they could use some big plays, especially with uh, Crabtree hurting and God knows what's happening with Amari Cooper. So uh, you know you just can't catch anymore. Yeah, so I, I guess the I guess the point with Marshall Lynch is he will I think he will get a chance to reassert himself, but, you know, he hasn't given many signs of confidence so far. I'm not buying the idea that he's washed up. I, I agree. <laughs> it's sort of... Some are, I don't think I'm going to start him this week against the Ravens, which is another pretty brutal matchup. The offensive line play has been really surprising to me out of Oakland, because I, I would have said they were maybe the best offensive line in the league right. entering the season. Both pass protection and run blocking, it's been an issue. Um, it, it, 
Lynch is still running well. I think uh, I, I think it's I don't think you can start him this week. I would not drop him, uh, but certainly certainly concerning numbers the last two weeks. And he's not doing a lot in the passing game. So if I mean it's a good matchup for the Raiders to not fall behind against mm-hmm. the Ravens, but they could. I mean you got EJ Manuel there. If they do fall behind, it remains to be seen. You know what kind of role Marshawn Lynch has. All right, this next guy does. I'm pr- I'm pretty interested in just because he seemed to be the quarterback of the future for the Browns, and you know it's a nebulous title, especially when it concerns the Browns. They of the millions of quarterbacks, but Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, sent to the bench last week. Yeah, y- exactly. Bench for Kevin Hogan. That's never a, a good sign for your career. Uh, just four games into his, well, I got to uh, pick on Kevin Hogan. Like I know, that, I know. Uh, a local kid at that. Um, Deshaun Kaiser. You know. Okay, you could say stock down, like, so what? Like, he wasn't, like, a major factor in fantasy anyway, but he was a quarterback that I thought was pretty interesting mm-hmm. coming into the season. And then the f- over the first couple games, you know, you saw some signs there where you could, you could see him being useful in fantasy, part, partly because, he, you know, he, he's mobile, he can run the ball. Um, but so far that hasn't exactly played out. Um, he has two rushing touchdowns, which you like, but he hasn't, he's only ran for more than 30 yards in, in one game so far. He has less than 200 yards passing in two games, less than 250 in all four games. He was especially dreadful last week against the Bengals. And, you, you know, it, 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 with the Browns, like, you figure they're going to be behind in most games. So if you have a mobile quarterback playing from behind who's, who's certainly aggressive about getting the ball downfield, like, th- th- that's a formula for some fantasy goodness, but it just hasn't happened so far. And then, of course, you look at that receiving core. I mean, it's just a total disaster without Corey Coleman there. Kenny Britt looks like he's completely mailing it in. Yeah. Hugh Jackson, as much as said, he would have benched him if they only had more warm bodies to throw out there. Previous waiver wire, darling Richard Higgins is doing nothing. Ricardo Lewis is now a name of interest in waiver wires. Ricardo Lewis, folks. Oi. So, yeah, not a great situation there, unfortunately. All right, our last name on the down list, another Jeff Dooley favorite. This seems to be uh, getting personal. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start writing up your guys' draft <laughs> failures and bringing him to the show. I am also a fan of Sammy Watkins. I, I've, I've, All right, so why is he down this week? because you have to look at what's gone on this season. He's had one big game, and it was a huge game. But other, outside of that game, look, he, he, you know, a, a week ago he caught six cas- catches for 160 yards and two touchdowns. In the other three weeks combined, he has eight catches for 105 yards and zero touchdowns. So not great. He's fourth on the Rams in targets behind Todd Gurley, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup, and also Connor Cup probably. And he's only like three targets ahead of Tyler Higby. I mean, the, the thing is what's what's – frustrating about this is that, you know, if you'd said before the season Sammy Watkins would be healthy and the Rams would have a very good offense, mm-hmm. you would think, bingo, like, um, yeah. bring me all the fantasy points. And yet it just hasn't worked out that way. Like, Jared Goff and or the construction of the passing game doesn't seem tilted toward trying to feed him the ball at all. And if he's just going to be another guy in there, then that's someone you can't really start with much confidence. And that's before we get to the upcoming schedule. You know, he's uh Plays the Seahawks this week, so that's not great. That, yeah. Then you got Jacksonville. They have excellent cornerbacks. Then you have Arizona. Patrick Peterson could be on him all game. Then they have a bye. Then they have the Giants with Janoris Jenkins. So it's a five-week stretch that looks kind of grim for the Rams passing offense possibly in general and Sammy Watkins in particular. So, you know, I love his talent too, but, you know, i got to go stock down on him. It was a weird one. Uh, you know, he was in the concussion protocol the majority of the week then ended up playing. Uh, there were times like following along with the game, I was like, is he is he not playing? Did he go yeah. back out? But he he was out there used primarily as a decoy. I will say this about the the Seahawks matchup though, uh, Richard Sherman has been playing the left side of the field ninety five percent of his snaps so far this season, which means he isn't shadowing guys. Uh, the Rams move Watkins around, but half the time he's on the left side, which means he would not be going up against Sherman. So that means he actually gets Shaquille Griffin, who got picked on quite a bit by the Colts on uh, on Sunday Night Football. So I do think it's not. 
It's not the worst matchup in the world. Uh, looking ahead, Jacksonville, Arizona, and Patrick Peterson, those aren't good matchups. But if you're in a really rough way this week, I wouldn't hesitate to uh, uh, to start him as a flex. But certainly if you've got better options, uh, you might want to look elsewhere. Speaking of better options, you're probably going to want to steer clear of the guys in our next segment as well. Buyer beware. 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 So this is the part of the show where we fade a couple of players that might not be so savvy when it comes to daily picks, but also perhaps some long-term investments as well that you want to jump ship on now. So guys, let's get it started. Jeff, who are you scared of this week? I'm scared of Alshon Jeffrey, and uh, he's, uh, he's a guy I've got... Uh, in a couple of leagues, and I've been pretty high on. I actually like his long-term traje- trajectory on the season, um, but I think if you've got some other options in the in the wide receiver two flex range, I'd consider sitting him down. Uh, Patrick Peterson is the guy who's going to be covering him the most of the game this week, and he's been absolutely shutting people down, only allowing one catch in every 31 coverage snaps, best in the NFL by a long shot. Uh, you might have to play him based on the rest of your roster, but just a really rough matchup this weekend for Jeffrey, so I, I might consider sitting him. Yeah, Patrick Peterson is one of the few guys who's sort of Revis-like, you know, in his ability yeah. to shut, shut players down and, and, and tends to be a matchup you want to avoid if you can. The guy I'm scared of, uh, Jeff, is Wayne Gallman. We'll talk about uh, fantasy waiver wire darlings this week. I know a lot of people dropped some fab cash on him. A lot of people were excited about what he did last week. But I am. I still have a lot of concerns about what's going on with that Giants backfield, and I'm seconded. I, I just think it's it's way it's way too early to say. Oh, Gallman's been the only guy who's looked good back there. Therefore, he will get the starting job. I know that Paul Perkins got banged up, but Perkins came back to practice today. We don't know that the Giants are going to bench Perkins like they should. <laughs> he has 1.9 fair 1.9 yards per carry average on 32 carries. And that that's is not good. No, that's pretty that's pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the fact that Gallman rushed 11 times for 42 yards last week. Uh, you know, making for a mighty 3.8 yards per carry average has people pretty excited. I'm not sure that we've seen the last of my guy, Orleans Darkwa. Let's talk about Orleans Darkwa. Why? Why because are we talking about Orleans I think they Darkwa? Basically, okay. They basically Here's, said the other day that he's going to take Darkwa's role, that Yalman's going to take Darkwa's role. He took Darkwa's role Night last Night week. Darkwa. He looked. He took Darkwa's role right last week because Darkwa was out with a back injury. I, it wasn't. A, it wasn't supposedly a back injury of major severity. I think Darkwa will come back. You know, and if we're going to get excited about replacing Paul Perkins with a running back who's done better with his limited carries, Darkwa has on 13 carries has a 4.1 yards per carry average. He has a better YPC than Gallman does. So why all the Gallman love? And that touchdown Gallman scored. I mean, it was it was kind of fluky. It was like a short pass near the end zone. I don't know. You can't count on that very often. And Shane Vereen is still there. So I think I think it'll still be a murky situation there. I don't think there's a lot of reason to think that A, Gallman will even get the starting job, and if he does, that he'll get a giant amount of work, and even if he gets a lot of work, that he'll be able to do a ton with it. All right. That's the, the official analysis of the uh, Orleans Darkwa fan club. By the way, I'm not <laughs> saying start Wayne Gallman this week, but I will say this. It, he showed more explosiveness than we've seen out of the other Giants backs. See, they, they oh, need oh, I'm someone. sorry, with his three-point, this is what I'm talking about. It's, it, this is so like, oh, we just saw the, the last guy who didn't look like Paul Perkins. Darkwa has looked better all season, and <laughs> it's like just because he didn't play last week doesn't mean that no Giant has ever looked good in any game, in, any game this year. <laughs> right. I, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't say that. Uh, it, this is this is my my viewpoint. Is the Giants really need a back who can catch, who can protect as well as running? Because the offensive line is a noted issue there. 
Um, he did, uh, Gallman did all three of those things really well at Clemson, was just one of the most well-rounded backs in college football the last couple of years. So I think there's an opportunity there for him to end up getting the job. I liked him better as some of the other wa- than some of the other waiver claims uh, this week, maybe second only to uh, Latavius Murray uh, of the Vikings. But I think there's potential there. I would keep an eye on him. Don't start him this week. Well, last week I sat here and explained why I thought Cam Newton was absolutely droppable. I look so dumb right now. Huge week against monster the Patriots. Game. Absolutely monstrous. He looked every bit the 20, 2015 MVP. But here's what I'm saying. Don't start him this week. Guys, the Lions' defense is legit. They are getting after the quarterback. They're stopping, cor- uh, they're stopping pass catchers. I don't think he's a good matchup this week. If you still believe in Cam Newton, and I think there is actually a reason to believe in him now that you could see that he can put up some points, and he was running the ball again against the Patriots, yep. which I think is big. But this might be the week to go get him if you do still believe in him because I think he's going to have another down week and his owners are finally going to snap. That said, I'm still not fully back on board. If he does it against the Lions defense, I'll believe again. The running thing is huge. The fact that they're sort of committed to at least sprinkling in some of that to the game, it opens up a lot of possibilities. All right, let's look at the bright side. Value pick. All right, Des is going to get us started here with my favorite Wildcat decoy. Yeah, exactly. Jay Cutler, noted wide receiver par excellence. Jay Cutler, you know, value pick. I mean, he can't be any worse, right? The value is there in him presumably already having played his worst football of the season, you'd like to think. God, I, I hope mean, so. <laughs> his, presumably his job is kind of sort of on the line here. Uh, the, but, by, you know, there's some things to like. Uh, Miami, first of all, is finally getting its first real home game of the season. Obviously, they had the hurricane to start with. Then they went to London last week that, you know, that counted as a home game for them, but not really, obviously. You know, so they're, they've been a little bit behind other teams in that regard. And they're playing the Titans, who've allowed the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks. We just saw Deshaun Watson go bananas mm-hmm. against them last week. Uh, the Titans have allowed eight uh, touchdown passes over their past two games. So, you know, and there are weapons in Miami. You look at who Cutler has to throw to. I mean, the cupboard is, is hardly bare there. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's fair to expect him to be up and down. There's a guy who, you know, was, was pre- planning for his next career in the latter stages of training camp. He's never been a portrait of consistency. So as much as we've seen bad Jay Cutler over the years, we have seen good Jay Cutler over the years. And I think in a, in a good matchup for him against a lousy pass defense, in you know, in a home game, it's sort of a get-right spot for him. I think he knows his, his starting job might well be on the line here. I mean, a lot of people in Miami are no, I know are calling for Matt Moore, who has looked good in the past in, in spot starts and was the starter like five years ago. So, you know, I, I think there's a pretty decent chance Cutler comes through here for you. I, I agree with the advantageous matchup. I guess my question is, how bad is your quarterback situation have to be <laughs> if you're playing Jay Cutler this yeah, week? Yeah, it's more like maybe a sneaky DFS move because you know he's he's going to be one of the one of the cheapest options. Oh, he'd be, that, oh he's in the bargain bin. That's for damn sure. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> like, you, if 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 you're in a, a season long league and you're you're stuck with starting Cutler, you're you're in all sorts of trouble. Yeah, my guy this week, Alex Collins, the Ravens running back, playing at Oakland. Uh, he has had nine carries for 82 yards in each of the last two games, which is a little spooky, but also yeah. very impressive. Right. Uh, among running backs uh, this season with at least 25 carries, he is second in the NFL in yards after contact per attempt. So he's proven sort of his ability. Uh, he, he's a hard runner. Uh, I think probably the most impressive of the group in Baltimore. Now, the big issue has been the fumbles. He's been it, It's been told by uh, John Harbaugh, the Ravens coach, he's got a short leash. So... There's a little bit of a risk there, but I think, assuming he can hang on to the football, 
Uh, he's a good play. Ravens going against a pretty soft Raiders defense that also is starting EJ Manuel on offense. So they should have opportunities to run this week. Yeah, I think it, I think it really just does come down to whether he can hang on to the ball or not. If he, if yeah. he doesn't fumble, I think he could easily overtake Terrence West for that job and without you know without trying very hard. And let's say goodbye to Buck Allen's fantasy value. No, 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 not no, yet. I don't, no, not yet. I don't think. No, no. Allen is still the receiving back there. I think he'll still get work. You know, the, everyone's just been a victim of how awful that offense is. But I, th- I think I think Buck Allen is uh, still got some fantasy value. Speaking of fantasy value, a New York Jet has some fantasy value. And not Bilal Powell, who's coming off a monster game. I'm talking about the tight end, Austin Safarian Jenkins. He's got the Browns this week. The Browns have given up four touchdowns to tight ends. And that list is not like a bunch of Rob Gronkowski's. We're talking tight, end, uh, tight ends like Jesse James, Ben Watson, Tyler Croft. Sure. So if you can get Severian Jenkins, who, again, will be fairly cheap. He certainly was not on the top 10 list coming into this year. I think it could pay off big. And the Jets have looked pretty competent lately. Yeah, McCown is, you know, he's, he is what he is. He's a journeyman quarterback, but he's, he's, sort of, he's sort of slightly below average. But his main thing has been staying healthy. When he's been on the field, he's been okay, not great, but enough to, yeah, enough to throw a few passes to his tight end, that's for sure. All right, let's look ahead to week five. What to watch for. As we gaze into the crystal ball, tell me, what do you see, Jeff? I'm going to be watching Monday Night Football, the Bears offense going up against the Minnesota Vikings defense. And let's find out what the Mitchell Trubisky effect is. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Not necessarily thinking he's going to emerge as a fantasy asset, although who knows, Deshaun Watson uh, was was lighting uh, people up from my bench last week uh, (laughs) in his huge game against the Titans. Um, But also keeping an eye on, does anything change for a guy like Tariq Cohen? Uh, What do we make of the pass catchers with Trubisky running the offense? Does he have any favorites? I still sort of believe in the upside of Kendall Wright out of the slot there. Um, He's got a a decent matchup against Terrence Newman this week. So uh, keep an eye on Trubisky. What does he do? What does that offense look like uh, under new leadership under center? Yeah, I'm going to look on the other side of that field, or um, the same field, but on the other sideline, or whatever. I'm going to also be watching that game <laughs> and keeping an eye on the Vikings running backs. You know, obviously Latavius Murray was the number one waiver pickup in most leagues. Uh, you had Dalvin Cook go down for the season. You still have Jarek McKinnon there, and I think it's not outside the realm possibility that McKinnon actually steps ahead of mm-hmm. Latavius Murray. Maybe not in this game, maybe not you know in two weeks' time, but I'll be very interested to see how they divide up the work. Is McKinnon strictly a passing downs back? What is his role, period? You know, can Murray gain yards? Does he look good? Does he, does he have any sort of agility? Like, he's been sort of a guy who's developed a reputation as sort of a straight-line running back with a lot, a lot of, without a lot of wiggle, and if you don't create huge holes for him, he's not going to do a lot for wiggle. you. I know, and, the, you know, the Bears have a pretty sturdy defensive front, so it might be a situation where Murray maybe has a little bit of trouble getting it going, and if somehow Trubisky plays well and the Vikings fall behind, it'll be interesting, interesting to see how they use both those guys. All right, my guy scored two touchdowns last week, so I'm automatically intrigued. Will Fuller back from a broken collarbone and straight into the scoring sheet. Deshaun Watson, though, is absolutely in love with fellow Clemsonite. Is that that's a thing? Clemson? Clemsonite? Clem- Clemsonian? Clemsonian. Sure, why not? I don't think either so, of those things. Tiger. Okay, he's a, tiger. he's a fellow Tiger. They both went to Clemson. That's what I'm trying to say. But DeAndre Hopkins, clearly the apple of Deshaun Watson's eye. Can Will Fuller carve out a role? He clearly has the potential. We saw it at Notre Dame. We saw it in his rookie season, at least at the beginning, before he tapered off at the end. He's got a tough matchup against the Chiefs, but if he turns in another solid day, 
if he's not on a team's roster in your league, you got to go get him because he's got talent, and Deshaun Watson seems like he's going nowhere. Right. I mean, it's it's one of the bigger tests of a quarterback's fantasy overall fantasy value is can he carry multiple receivers? You know, it's like a lot of quarterbacks can lock onto one guy and have that alpha receiver, but you know, the the really Jake the quarter, yeah the quarterbacks who are really great for fantasy you know, can spread around a little bit, can come off their first read, and can carry multiple multiple receivers or even tight ends. Uh, and I think there's a tight end there of interest, too, in, in Ryan Griffin, who I think we had some high hopes for, but uh, hasn't really come through in the way that I think some fantasy owners would have liked. It's worth noting the Chiefs do not shadow uh receivers with Marcus Peters. He usually stays on one side. So op- lots of opportunities for DeAndre Hopkins for them to get him one-on-one against Terrence Mitchell, who has had uh, had some issues. Although it's worth noting, Redskins threw two touchdown passes into Marcus Peters' coverages last week. So we'll, we'll see. But I do think if you're playing in daily leagues, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is somebody you want to consider this week. Plenty of storylines to monitor. Plenty of waiver claims to get in in the future ahead of the curve. With that in mind... Please subscribe to our podcast. You can find all of our fantasy football content on thewashingtonpost.com and always give us a shout out on Twitter. I'm at Mike Hume Post. I'm at Des Beeler. I'm at Jeff Dooley underscore. Thanks for listening. See ya. See ya.